on the jam-packed prequel to the 21st episode of This Film is Lit. We're reviewing Avengers Infinity War, breaking down the difference between science fiction and fantasy, and previewing our next episode, Matilda. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit. It's prequel to the 21st episode. We have a lot of things to talk about. So let's get right into it with our Avengers Infinity War review. Spoiler free. We're going to try. So we saw Avengers Infinity War on uh, this weekend. We're going to do spoiler free. We may also record a spoiler filled review um as a separate episode but we don't want this we want we have a lot of stuff to get to in this episode and we don't want this to be an hour and a half long yeah uh, and we could talk about the movie for an hour probably so we're gonna try to do about five ten minutes tops on it and then move along so this will be spoiler free katie what do you think of avengers infinity war i liked it yeah solid low a high b i i agree i would give it a i would honestly it's because it's a weird scale for me uh I would probably give it as a movie slash comic book movie in general. Yeah, high B. Yeah. Low A. As for what it is, which is so unique mm-hmm. of a thing, in my opinion, as this thing that we've been building to for 10 years and all of these characters have been introduced and it's this giant, as they build it, you know, the most epic crossover event in cinematic history or whatever. Yeah. I would give it a much higher score. Yeah, not, not much. I would give it, I think, even a higher score because I think it succeeds on a level doing that that not only has nothing ever done, but nothing's ever even tried. It's true. Uh, so, for, like, just for what it's doing uh, as this crazy crossover with all these characters and not only doing that, but as a setup film, basically, because it was originally billed as the part one of two-part mm-hmm. story, which it, even though they changed the way they named it, it still 100% is part one of well, yeah. this this Avengers saga moment, yeah. you know. So in that regard, I would give it easily an A, if not like an A+. Because I don't think they could have done the every single Avenger we've ever met for the last 10 years, minus Hawkeye and Ant-Man. Because um, <laughs> they're in jail or whatever. Um that's, I guess that's a spoiler. I mean, not really. They're not in any of the Well, no, they so. weren't in jail. They, they, they were on uh, house arrest or yeah, something. Whatever. Anyways, but that's not really a spoiler. Uh, they don't show up. They're not in any of the trailers. I, yeah. I guess it is kind of a spoiler. Oh, fuck. Anyways, sorry. It's if you, the tiniest of yeah, spoilers. the tiniest of spoilers. But everybody else, pretty much, you know, makes an appearance. And to do that, and I think that's what was most impressive to me about the film, is how well they handled bringing all of those characters in. And balancing it all and giving them all moments mm-hmm. in a way that was really satisfying and didn't feel like anybody was just, like, kind of there. Mm-hmm. Like, they all played an important role. They all felt like uh, integral cogs in a moving machine. And they were all doing their own thing in a way that was really uh, effective and interesting. And not to mention how well they played off of each other comically and and um, sort of just the the inter- uh, the clashing of their their personalities and all that sort of stuff um was really impressive so in that regard and then on top of that to have the action sequences that this movie does which is almost nothing but action sequences from beginning to end which sounds like it could be exhausting but it's not 
at least to me, you know, it's like a two hour, two and a half hour movie. And I, it was never like, it was never boring, obviously, but it was also never like exhausting to me. Like it wasn't like, Oh, good Lord. Like, (laughs) can we get a break? (laughs) I thought it was paced really well. And, uh, yeah, to do that with that many heroes is, or that many characters and specifically with that many superheroes, it was wildly impressive to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, like I said, I just maybe on its own, I, it'd be B plus. But as a, the thing that it is is being as part one of this crazy huge story and, and the culmination of ten years of movies, or the first part of a culmination of ten years of movie, I would have to give it like an A plus. I don't know how you could do it better. I do think that it accomplished something, especially from a narrative perspective and from just a base level organizational yeah perspective yeah yeah it's just so wildly impressive that it it, it kind of blows your mind and then it, it's so funny because then you want to compare and i don't want to go you know bash like justice league but and i we didn't even hate justice league or anything it was you know it was all right it was fine um but uh, and, and and the biggest problem which we've discussed is you know they don't have all those movies of set up. They right. have a few. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of these characters are getting introduced. We can get introduced to a single character in this movie other than villains, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, like some of the sort of secondary villains we kind of meet for the first time in this. But everybody else we've already met in our, their own movie or, you know. Right. And I think that's part of the reason why the pacing works yes. so well is that we're not having to constantly be reintroduced no. to people. Which, holy cow, do they do so much of that in Justice League. Even yeah. people we already know we're getting yeah. reintroduced to. Where this, it doesn't happen at all. The only way it kind of happens is when characters who have never met each other bump into each other. But it's done in a fun and quick way. And it never mm-hmm. feels like we're being reintroduced to they, who they are. All it is is it's it's they're playing out the imagination of every 12 year old or whoever you know whatever (laughs) kid of oh my god what would what if thor met uh star lord what would they say to each other like that happens in the movie and it was like one of my favorite parts of the whole movie but uh and that's not a spoiler because it's in the trailers but uh (laughs) that they run into each other um no and i think that they did that exactly right because you're right we are kind of getting sort of getting reintroduced to characters in that way but they use it as moments of humor yeah which this film would have been missing something yeah. without moments y- of humor. Yes, the, this is a an incredibly dark movie, and I don't think that spoils anything. Uh, it, you, you knew going into Infinity War that it was going to be... I mean, everybody was speculating who's going to die, that sort of stuff. Um, and so this is an incredibly grim movie at times, but mm-hmm. the and the humor throughout it does a really good job of, light and air, uh, of providing moments of levity, but never feeling out of place yeah in in, in a in a story that is as dark as it is partially because they f- sort of front load the humor more it mm-hmm. definitely felt like more of the laughs were right. in the first half yeah when it's not quite as dire shall we say <laughs> uh, i mean there's there's still laughs throughout but more of it was in the in the front in the yeah in the front half of the movie um and they did a really good job with that and i'm sure uh i know i saw that uh Gun Peter Peter Gunn, um, the guy who wrote and directed uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, was an executive producer, mm-hmm. so I'm sure he had a lot of input into sort of the because he's oh, he's a big yeah. comedy guy. And yeah. it's his voice you can kind of tell, especially like I said, the interactions between the Guardians and and uh, Star Lord um, when they meet up and or, or Thor uh, Guardians of Thor and, and those kind of interactions definitely felt 
very much everybody every character felt like the character they were in their movie mm-hmm. nobody felt weird or different or out of place in terms of like inter- how they would interact all their interactions with these different characters felt really natural and made a lot of sense um so that was you know just just masterfully done and it's really impressive visually stunning there was a couple little moments of cgi one in particular mm-hmm. towards the very end of the movie that I thought looked actively not good, but it was only like one and it was like a four second shot. And I don't want, I don't want to spoil it because it's kind of a, yeah. a moment. Um, but if we do a spoiler episode, I'll talk about it. Um, but other than that, like everything is gorgeous. Uh, and, and the action scenes are all super satisfying and super over the top and super just incredible. There's Some of the people do some stuff that is just like, yes this is so cool uh throughout the movie uh that and it's just they uh, just just knocked it out of the park in my opinion i don't know how you could do it better um i do and this is i'm stealing this from i saw a tweet from movie bob today and i will agree with this and it's not really much of a criticism it's just a minor criticism and i thought it was very made a lot of sense um and is that you wish i wish there was more uh um coverage uh and just pick up shots of how this all of this shit was affecting more normal people mm-hmm. especially towards the latter half of the film and now most of it is going on with the avengers because he's specifically going towards the infinity stones or trying to find the infinity stones and they're kind of protecting him and that sort of thing but so there's a really great sequence early in the movie which we kind of, i think was in like a, one of the trailers where uh the things are over new york yeah. And you could see all the chaos in the streets yeah. and everything. And that was really cool. I wish there was a little bit more of that throughout. Just a little bit so that we had a little more um, perspective on what all of this meant for everything, everybody mm-hmm. in the world as opposed to just specifically the Avengers. Now the movie's already two hours and 45 minutes long or whatever. <laughs> and so adding some cutaway shots to other people is, you know. I mean, I'll I'll agree with that. Although, if I was going to level a criticism at it, my maybe biggest criticism would be that I thought there were already too many places. Yeah. And I don't know how you would tell this story without so many places, but there were a couple moments where I got a little lost and was like, okay, wait, where are we now? Because, well, we have, and yeah, because there are several groups of people at several different locations and those groups of people move from location yeah. to location and and it jumps around it's a little bit of uh which is a, a classic action movie third act thing where the third act we're jumping between battles in three or four different places right. at once kind of and it can be a little okay now where are we and so but i i guess my sense is that moments within like specifically there's a moment with vision and scarlet witch where they're in uh scotland yeah and there's like nobody around and that's not a spoiler it's just something weird there's nobody in like yeah there's like no one nobody there (laughs) like i I guess it's it's it is nighttime so maybe it's like four in the morning but even still there's like nobody around is it a dog or a person okay um, I so, mean, and I don't, I don't know about Scotland. I have heard that London shuts down at like ten o'clock. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's still, there's still but... people around. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so it's a little thing like that. But uh, you know, it's but little little criticism like that aside. I there wasn't, uh, and then there's a couple of little spoilery things that I had nitpicks with, mm-hmm. but they're not. You know, we'd have to get into spoilers for that because it's yeah, 
moments that that are spoilery. So, uh, but yeah, I think that'll do it for the non-spoiler discussion. We, uh, I want to because there's things I want to talk about, so we'll probably do this maybe in between uh, yeah. these episodes or something. Okay. Um, record a spoiler episode of just spoiler talk and review on Infinity War because I'm sure people will be interested in hearing that. Uh, where you can hear more of what we liked and didn't like that re- pertains to things that you wouldn't want spoiled. So I'm giving it still an A or an A+. plus. It's dynamite. Let's move on to, what do we call in this segment? Learning things with Learning this film things, is lit. Yeah. I'm, I don't know if we're going to learn today so much as have a fight. Oh boy, we might have a fight. All right. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. So today's Learning Things with This Film is Lit is about the distinction between science fiction and fantasy as genres. So uh, this is, uh, we're talking about this because it pertains to Matilda. Right. To some extent, I don't think it does, but <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of does, but we'll we'll talk about it. Um, to me, it's very obvious what Matilda is, but then again, that's just me. Uh, we could, again, we have, I think, we have potentially differing views on yeah on on this. I'm almost can guarantee you, we do. <laughs> well, you've seen my notes, so I'm sure. <laughs> um. So one of the first things that I want to talk about right away, just to get it out of the way, because I think this is something that a lot of people get hung up on when we're talking about the difference between sci-fi and fantasy is setting. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no it doesn't. not at all. I'm glad we agree on yeah, that. Yeah, I don't see why that would matter at all. Um, but I think that a lot of people do get kind of hung up on that, like, idea of, like, oh, if it's in space, it has to be sci-fi. Yeah, or no. if it's... Not even a little. If they're, they have swords and are on horses, it, it has, has to, to be, be fantasy. fantasy. No. Um, yeah, not even a little bit. Um, Star Wars, for example, I think a lot of people would classify as science fiction, and I don't necessarily disagree. It has science fiction elements, but... But if we're talking about the Force, yeah. setting aside any discussion of midi-chlorians... Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah um, that, that muddies it a little bit. It, it, the Force behaves much more like traditional wizardry. Yes. Like... Star Wars, at least pre-prequels Star Wars, is essentially wizards in space. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely a fantasy Yeah, uh, it's a hybrid. Opera. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah, there are science fiction elements, and that was I have that in my notes here, and that was kind of my... Star Wars was my example for both kind of sides of mm-hmm. this. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, setting is irrelevant. Uh, science fiction often happens in space, and fantasy often happens on uh, uh, terrestrial planets with swords and... and yeah horses but it doesn't remotely uh mean that they have to be those things so uh here's okay here's let's break down this is when i look at the differences between science fiction and fantasy and i this is pulled Mm -hmm. from some sources but it's also sort of just how i how to me they should be differentiated um and i say to me i'm sure other people have sort of Mm -hmm talked about it this way i just didn't do a ton of research into finding other people who thought the same thing but i'll start with this This is a quote uh from isaac asimov uh famed science fiction author (laughs) uh when once asked to explain the difference between science fiction and fantasy isaac asimov replied science fiction giving its grounding in science is possible fantasy which has no grounding in reality is not now 
I agree with this to some extent. There's a caveat. The no grounding in reality is, I mean, obviously there's a grounding in reality. It's, it's <laughs> to some extent, I, I don't know if that's how I would word it. Um, but I would also put a caveat on that, uh, that science fiction where he says science fiction, given its grounding in reality is possible. It depends on what we're talking about here. Uh, to some extent, there are plenty of things that we would consider science fiction which, given our knowledge and what we know, are probably not possible. Mm-hmm. But we would still classify them as science fiction. And so here, here's where I come down, ultimately, on the breakdown between science fiction and fantasy. For me, sci-fi, uh, the source of the powers or uh, abilities or any incredible technology or, or anything like that that is uh, sort of the the cornerstone of of the universe in terms of like mm-hmm. the stuff in it that's cool or whatever uh is known and understood completely by the characters within the universe um it may be for us as a reader it, it the technology may be completely unfathomable to us uh and it may ultimately be impossible in our universe but the characters in that world know how it works and have created the technology or the things they are using by understanding physical forces in their entirety and then backwards building things. So like building a super advanced spaceship in order to do that, they had to understand all the physical laws that govern how spaceships work and how electricity works and how, uh, uh, um, material, uh, sciences work and then used all that information to build a thing that um is a spaceship or is uh, a laser gun or a lightsaber or 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 even if they're using some sort of like nanotechnology that is giving them some sort of abilities like they can fly they're building like a hover jet mm-hmm. pack or anything it's not drawing on any sort so so that that that's science fiction and then to me um, so, so in relation to Star Wars, everything tech related in the right. Star Wars universe, all the spaceships, all the lightsabers, all the laser guns, all the blasters, not laser guns. Sorry, Star Wars fans. Um, <laughs> all of that stuff is science fiction. And and if it just had that stuff to me, it would be science fiction. Right. Um, it is created by scientists. It's created by engineers. It's created by those sort of people who, that, that thing. Uh, and they under they have to understand how the physical laws all work pretty much exactly in order to be able to use the thing or create the thing. The difference to me with fantasy is that the source of their powers or the abilities or the things, the cool, whatever we're talking about um, in fantasy is either the source is unknown or it's not completely understood by the characters in the universe. Okay, so you're basing all of this on the characters within the universe. Yes. So, would you classify Harry Potter as sci-fi? No, because, because they don't completely understand the... F- well, we don't get an explanation for it, but it seems to me like everybody in the universe understands how it works, and they have tools to help them use it. My my difference here is that I don't... I would argue that they don't completely... That is that, that when... That, that in something like Harry Potter... That when the characters um, are using magic, they're drawing it from this source of energy, this this force uh, that 
they understand it to some extent, but I, I think it's, and now it, it gets, it gets complicated and a little wishy-washy in the middle here, but I don't think, I think you could argue that the, the characters that when they're using magic, they, they're finding ways to use magic and channel it through their, you know, with their wands and, and through themselves. But I, I, at least not that I've read in the books doesn't strike me that they like have a, they, they, they haven't backwards manufactured how, how to explain this. This is tough. Um, well, just explaining it in a way that is cogent is, is, is difficult because it's, it's technical and it's, 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 it is a, it is a slight distinction. I'm not going to disagree, but to Mm -hmm. me, there is a difference at least in my opinion. I mean, to me, it's kind of hinging on this idea of the characters. Because I guess, like, we never get an explanation of, like, where magic comes from in Harry Potter. But I guess, to me, that doesn't mean that they don't know within the world. Because we do know that there is is a a long-storied history. Right. Of magic and that people study magic. Right. And I guess the other thing that would tie it, that I would tie it back into, but I don't necessarily, because then it gets a little more wishy-washy, is that I still don't get the feeling, or at least it, it doesn't seem to me that in the world of like something, and we'll just talk about Harry Potter since we're talking about Harry Potter, that even when... Because I don't want to say it necessarily comes down to a distinction between uh, things like magic and and the force or whatever as being things that do not exist as we know it in our world, in my opinion. Um, because to me, then obviously, that gets that, that there's a becomes a gray area with uh, certain sci-fi shows where there are certain forces uh, of nature that they're able to somehow use and control that we or not even control, but certain elements of, of uh, like certain things with like traveling through wormholes and, and mm-hmm. stuff where we, that's potentially theoretically possible, but like uh, who knows, but I would still classify that as science fiction because it is working within the grounds of uh, taking the natural laws and and working backwards from them and building technology and things to take advantage of the current or of the physical laws whereas to me magic is different and it's hard to nail down why okay like magic within a fantasy world to me is different than that i think i can help okay maybe um i have i've mostly focused on sci-fi for this, for my definition here. Yeah. So I have a two-pronged definition for okay. what makes something science fiction. And my first prong is that, in my opinion, I think in order for something to be considered sci-fi, you have to have, for the powers, for the tech, for the abilities, what have you, you have to have at least a pseudoscientific explanation. That's partly what I meant. Yeah. Sorry. I'm- that it- Yeah, continue. Sorry. By which I mean that the powers have to derive from something real world, which I think is what you're getting at that's, with that's, like the laws of physics and nature and whatever that's else what you I'm said. Getting at to some extent, yes. Okay. Yes. Whereas um, magic, yeah, is invented. Yeah. And I do think there is gray area to be had there. 
Um, but I really do think that for sci-fi, you need to have that pseudoscientific explanation. I mean, possibly even to the point that one day it could become reality. Yeah. Not for everything. You're right. But, I mean, okay. If we look at something like Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I was bitten by a radioactive spider and I got powers is pretty flimsy science. Oh, yeah. yeah. At best. Incredibly, yeah, it's, it's um, nonsense. But... It is pseudoscientific. Yeah. Right? right? Spiders exist and radioactivity exists. And genetic... Uh, and genetic... Um, manipulation Manipulation exists. exists, which already makes Spider-Man more likely than Harry Potter. Right. Yes. I agree. That, and that's kind of what I was getting at. And so, I guess there is to some extent, when I, when I did say that the characters completely understand how it works, I guess what I meant was that not only do they understand what it works, but that we... Eat, but we don't have to, but generally we get some sort of explanation mm-hmm. for how it works. And now we don't have to because they don't explain how every starship works in Star Wars. Right. You know what I mean? They don't explain how light speed works in Star Wars. But there, there's also a – well, I guess at the time there wasn't. But now there's at least a, a bunch of other – There's um, theory. There's theory, but there's also a bunch of other um, uh, uh, universes of, of sci-fi and, and worlds and, and um, stories within – sci-fi stories that have have used things like starships and explained to some extent mm-hmm. how this stuff works uh and so yeah i guess that is part of it it's not so much the characters knowing as this us right explaining to the right. audience to, yeah to me there there has to be we have to have some kind of explanation yes but there also has to be at least some sort of tinge of real or possibility. Um, I'll hit you with another quote from a famed science fiction writer, one Mr. Ray Bradbury. Okay. Um, science fiction is always the art of the possible, never the impossible. So for me, that's my one, my first prong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the possible, not so much the impossible. Right. My second prong is maybe even more important. And to me, that is potential, but maybe with some limitations. Again, there's gray area. So to me, it's really important that for something to be science fiction, you have to have it to where um, more or less anyone has the potential to use or to gain the power or the technology. Um, Because in fantasy... If we look at some textbook cases of fantasy, that's usually not the case. No, yeah. Like if we look at Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, yeah. um, like Harry Potter, there are specifically muggles. There are non-magic people who yes. can never hope to harness that capability. But that's not usually the case in sci-fi. No, that's a good distinction that yeah. I didn't that I didn't touch upon. But that um, is absolutely yeah. like there's there's at least the implication that more people can um, harness this ability or use this power or use this technology with sci-fi. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, 100% pretty much exclusively in science fiction. It it would come down to being either smart enough or practicing enough right. to, you know, learn how to fly a spaceship or whatever or or being, you know, privileged enough to grow up in a place where you get to fly a spaceship and learn how to fly it, that sort of thing. We can talk about the politics of that later. But right. um, but yes, that anybody technically uh, potentially could learn how to fly a spaceship. Right. And we were talking about, um, this is the reason that I brought up Firefly before yes. we started recording. Um, it's River, 
has she gains psychic abilities yes. through like scientific experimentation. They're they're basically experimenting on her brain. Yeah. But I mean, and there is stuff about oh she's super smart, blah blah blah, and that's why they chose her. Yeah. But to me the implication is still that yeah. with that kind of manipulation anyone could have that power. Yeah, they might not be as psychic as she is or whatever, yeah. but anybody, yeah, they've messed with your brain enough. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think uh, Firefly is would fit kinetic, uh, com- almost entirely, unless I'm missing something. I would say it fits entirely into what we would call science fiction. Right now, it's a looser science fiction. It's very it's like a soft science fiction mm-hmm. as opposed opposed to like a hard science fiction. Um, but it definitely would fit more. Yeah. Than no, it has it has my two prongs. Yeah. It has pseudo scientific explanations. Yep. And it has the potential for anyone to harness these special capabilities. Yes. And I like to me, even something like like the X Men mm-hmm. would fit into that because we have a pseudo scientific yeah, explanation, is, yeah. right? Yeah, um, they're mutants. Yeah, yeah. evolution. Yeah. Um, and then are you saying evolution is pseudo science? I'm saying that maybe the way that X Men does it is a little pseudo scientific. Not just a little; it's a lot. <laughs> um, but we also there's also the implication that maybe anyone could one yes. day develop powers, yes. and we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and they they even go into that. Uh, I mean, they the the first movie that part of the thing is that they create a a bomb basically that can make that like that when it hits you, it turns you, it mutates your genes and turns you mm-hmm. into an X Men. It also kills you basically, but yeah, it, <laughs> or yeah, essentially kills you. But yeah, it, yeah. So anybody could, given sort of some. But at the same time, it's a little different because there it, it isn't any. I mean, anybody could in the sense of I guess if you were just either like uh, messed with genetically, you would have to be messed with genetically. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's possible because X the the mutants that are in the world are born that way, and mm-hmm. they're just that's just how it is. And there's not like they're not like created. You know, they're right. not they're not like hit by like a gamma ray burst and then and right. then turn into a mutant. They just are mutants and humans are just humans and now there are ways and i'm sure and pl- plenty of different ones within different comic runs and whatever where humans can become mutants somehow i'm sure mm-hmm. but generally speaking it i don't know that's kind of a gray area on that one i would say but i think it still would because yes i'm sure there's yeah you could genetically alter humans to right. turn them into mutants again they did it in the first movie so which like, is what I brings like your, me. To... I like your two prong. Sorry. Oh, thank continue. you. I was gonna say that was what brings me to Matilda. Okay. So, I want to preface this by saying that I'm not 100 percent either way here. I think it's a gray area. Okay. And I'm guessing that you would put Matilda squarely in fantasy. hundred percent. Okay. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I could change my mind on rewatching, but from my rep- my memory, I would a hundred percent put it in fantasy. So, I think that her powers, which is basically telekinesis, yeah. right, um, could easily fit into the realm of either like magic or yeah, yeah. it's magic, like a classic superpower. Kind yeah, of which, a situation. which like telekinesis superpowers are also I would classify as magic. Like they're, it's magic. You're making things fly around with your brain. Sure, but again, if there's a pseudo scientific explanation, like there is in the X Men, 
does that not cross over into fantasy? Well, it changes. To, no, see, the thing that the, it depends. I guess the thing of with, with X Men is that there are some X Men who I would say absolutely would be science fiction X Men, in the sense of like, uh, like Wolverine, who has uh some sort of amped up healing genetic mm-hmm. thing. There, there are creatures on Earth that that exist that that heal incredibly fast uh like certain types of like crustaceans i think and stuff like that i, I could be wrong about the type of animal but who have incredibly fat uh fast healing factors or whatever and so there's a i can see from a, a sort of pseudoscientific scientific explanation of some human somehow having the ability to heal again it's pseudoscience but you i can buy that whereas i don't know if i could buy from a pseudoscience explanation this person can make things fly with their brain because there's no, I don't know. There's, I don't know where that's. So you're looking Magneto, for I can buy more than Dr. Than, than Dr. X. Professor X. Professor X. Dr. X. You just lost all your nerd cred. Oh, I believe you only call them professors when they have doctorates. So <laughs> Professor X. Um, I could buy Magneto more than Professor X to some extent because we know how magnets work and we know that certain things can affect metals and move them around. And if you could somehow, again, I like that makes more sense to me than somebody who can make something fly with their brain because magnetic force is a thing we know. Now, I guess there could be an explanation of like weird, strong, weak nuclear force. I don't even know what it would be. But you would have to get really in depth and really mess with me to get me to believe telekinesis is plausible. I'm not saying telekinesis itself is plausible. What I'm saying is that the source from which they gained that power is pseudoscientific. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. That's where I was, yeah, that's why I originally agreed. But then when I thought about it, because I wasn't thinking about the actual powers necessarily, just the fact of how they got the powers. Mm-hmm. How they got the powers, I was on board with science fiction. Yeah, you know, genetic. But then it was like, well, so there are certain powers that, to me, then veer into fantasy more so because they aren't th- th- real things. <laughs> like, I mean, I'll agree with that. For me, I guess the origin point is just more important. Yeah, I get. I don't know. I, I I get. I would have a really hard time agreeing necessarily because again, things like telekinesis and like I'm trying to think of other X Men that I would uh uh because like Storm weather is a thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And now again, Hang nightmare. On, now how does that make more sense than moving things with your brain? Because I, I guess it doesn't. Um. Thank you. But to some, for some reason, at least does because at least that's a thing that makes sense. I, I guess I just I would need an, an explanation of telekinesis that, and I guess I'm just hung up on telekinesis. I would need an explanation of telekinesis that made any sort of sense mm-hmm. because all it is to me is just straight up magic. Whereas, yes, weather being able to control it with your brain is is nonsense, but weather exists. Like weather is a thing. <laughs> whereas, like. What is, I I don't know. I guess it's not that much of a leap of being able to control weather as it is being able to control an object. I guess it's not that different, but for yeah. some reason in my head it feels really different. I don't know. I don't know why, but it just feels different to me. 
Anyway, sorry. Derailed um, the Matilda. Sorry to say, but it feels different, isn't it? Good argument. I understand. I'm well aware. I just, I don't know. I, uh... All right. Um. So this here's where I'm trying to connect it to Matilda. Yes, 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 yes. Her yes. powers to me are most similar to a character like Professor X yeah. or like Jean Grey, mm-hmm. and I I don't. See, the explanation in the book is difficult because I wouldn't call it pseudoscientific by traditional definition. Because um, the, the explanation in the book, right, is basically that she's so smart and she's not, like, she has all this brain power, right? And she's not making full use of it. So she's able to do things that other people wouldn't um necessarily be able to do yeah okay so to me like for me personally where it gets a little fuzzy is that like it's not in the realm of possibility but to me it still feels like kind of a very 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 weak science-ish-y explanation it yeah, the I, the way you explained it, I would say, is on the weekend of uh, sort of a science. Yeah, it's on the weekend of pseudoscience. Uh, yeah. And then for my second prong, the implication then is that anyone who is that intelligent could potentially have that power. Yeah. Because they don't limit it specifically to, oh, Matilda is the only one who can do this. Yeah. The explanation is that she's so smart. Right. And, and a I, lot of people are smart. It's true. We would get into the I didn't want to I didn't want to get into this earlier and I don't want to get into it a lot. But and I thought about this. I, I like your second thing of anybody can potentially anybody could learn to do it, but then we get into the the thing with you get to a point where when you're saying you have to be really, really smart, then not really anybody could do it because a lot of people just aren't that smart. True. So there is, I mean, where do you draw the line between I was uh, sort of like in Harry Potter where you just magically or, you know, whatever, somehow born with an ability to natural, an innate ability to use magic first born with an innate uh, brain uh, or an innate intelligence, a uh, certain high. Those don't, those seem very similar to me mm-hmm. in terms of like, you just hit the lottery somehow yeah, no, you know I, I see mean? what you're saying. I guess for me, usually in fantasy, there's more of an implication of like, um, like a caste system or a case. Is it case? It's cast. A caste system. Yeah. Where like there are particular. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I, I I get what you're saying, and I, and I didn't want to go into a lot because it does get money. Like, and because yeah. I like that idea. I like that. I like that prong of. Potentially anybody could do it in the sense that there's nothing right. l- physically limiting you, at least with, like, learning to fly a spaceship short of the the, 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 the means and the, the time. Right. Whereas being smart enough to manipulate uh, the, the yeah, physical energy, world, matter, yeah. or energy, or whatever, is you're born with that smartness. 
or and now again we can even take that further back and say when i said you have the means and the time that is also something right you're sens- ostensibly <laughs> born with so i, I there is and I, and, you know, and I did i i'm gonna point out that i did say that were limitations yes on that second prong right. um but like to me i guess kind of like we were saying earlier like if in in the Harry Potter universe the limitation is that oh you just don't have powers right right but typically with sci-fi the limitation is that you can like you need to learn or you need to right. study and to be totally fair she does spend a lot of time like educating herself right in matilda yeah right i mean she was born smart but she also um works at being smart yeah 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 no i i agree uh there it's it's a fuzzy and i I get what you're saying um i think a lot of my objection not objection my my discomfort with putting that line and saying uh that being really, really smart isn't um, isn't the same as like just being randomly selected that you have magic powers by the universe or whatever. To mm-hmm. me, the part of the reason they feel so similar, and even beyond that, to my uh, example about learning how to fly a spaceship, how I even agreed earlier that, well, anybody could learn how to fly a spaceship if they had enough time and money. A lot of my objection with that and where it gets fuzzy for me is gets into like philosophical issues of like determinism and weird stuff like that. And I don't want to get into it. We don't want to get into it, but like, so that's why it gets muddy for me because I don't see a big difference between just philosophically. I don't see a big difference between somebody who randomly is selected to have magic powers and somebody who, uh, by the state they were born or by when and how they were born with the genes they were born with, uh, and the life they, live or and are born into have the ability to to learn how to fly a spaceship and have that option basically and when mm-hmm. i say option i mean that in a deterministic sense uh <laughs> i really don't want to get into it but look up determinism sometime uh to me there's not that much of a difference between those things uh, in my in the way i look at the world so it gets hard for me to to right. say that that's a determining difference or that is the difference between those two things? No, I, I I don't disagree with that. But again, for me, the key word is potential. Yeah. Right. And I get your point is that there is, there is, there. I will, okay, I'll say this. There's definitely at least some hardline difference in the sense that person A born with magic powers uh, and the bit like Harry Potter mm-hmm. or whatever Um uh, and, and be, knows how to use magic first person B born without magic powers is absolutely cut off yeah. from the ability to yeah. ever no matter how much they wanted to or or had the ability opportunity or time or whatever you know couldn't do it so there is that difference there is at least some hardline difference yeah to me it's just complicated because of other factors but yeah all right. Uh, there, yeah, anything yeah. else you want to no. add? Uh, well, I did want to talk about. So that's those are the differences. And I, I think so on Matilda, I guess I get where you're saying. And I, 
I would still probably classify it as fantasy, at least from the movie. I'll say this for Uh the movie, because I don't think we get an explanation of her powers in Mm -hmm. the movie. My understanding is, from what I remember, she just sort of has them, or figures out that she has them. And there's never like, uh, well, she's really smart. And, well, they, there is. So, so we can come back to. We this can come topic. back to this, but I don't remember there being an explanation of like her powers that that mm-hmm. even remotely rung rungs like pseudosciencey to me. It just sort of seemed like she had powers, but I could be misremembering. We'll talk about that when we get back to it. And then secondly, I also don't being there. Were, one of the requirements being really really smart to me feels like it's not too far off from being born with. I mean, that's fair not too far off so i i would still put it right maybe right on the edge i can yeah. see where you're going no, with yeah. it i guess to me the difference in like the really really smart thing versus magic thing is that like really really smart is something that exists in the real world true going back to my first prong true that is true uh it's just to me it it, it is also something that is sort of an innately born yeah but no, again all, totally, i think all totally things agree. are that so fact. um all right, anything else? I just want to talk about some similarities oh, okay. just briefly right. um, before we move <laughs> off this topic and get to Matilda. I forgot you had similarities in your notes. I just have a I few similarities. I just had some similar because I did have all the differences and and uh, and there are there are many differences. Uh, but it's also it's muddy. Um, oh, I also wanted to mention real quick that I thought some uh, sci-fi only exceptions of I was trying to come up with some sci-fi only because I said I was talking about thinking that most comic book movies, most superhero movies are at least to some extent fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of some that I thought were just sci-fi that I would classify I, yeah, as only I think sci-fi. Most of our favorite properties are a blend. A blend, of yeah. The two. But I thought I came up with a couple. Mm-hmm. One being Kick-Ass. Okay. Which obviously the only thing you have to give in that movie or in that comic from my understanding is uh and it's it's sci-fi it's just that whatever the surgery they do to like strap all the metal to him and mm-hmm. make him like be able to take a beating is something that could happen and then that mm-hmm. does from that he would you know uh but there's no there's no powers there's no right people are just nobody gets people by a radioactive <laughs> no. spider um i think the first guardians of the galaxy movie Everybody in that either uses really advanced technology, mm-hmm. or I don't think it, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't remember anybody showing up with powers. I think they're all yeah, mostly using weapons and on spaceships and yeah, and and ra- rabbit or rocket is a genetic yeah, he's uh, genetically modified, modified whatever raccoon and whatever. Yeah. Um, and then aliens, there are lots of aliens, yeah. but, you know, they're well, guess, living in a universe where... I guess Groot where, was considered an alien. Yeah, Groot was just yeah. an alien species. So, like, I, and I don't think sci-fi, I think it definitely includes aliens as were, yeah. part of a scientific, you know, they're just organisms that are right from different, you know, evolutionary... Yeah, no, like the first one, I think I could agree with that. I think we get into more into fantasy yeah. with the second yeah. one and, like, the living planet right. idea. That's, uh, there are some other ones in the more in the second one that... And then there also is the... Infinity Stone in the first one, which is a little, but it's all. I mean, I, the idea behind the Infinity Stone is that it's like part of the fundamental essence of the universe yeah. that came out of the Big Bang. So there's, it's muddy. Um, Again, I would say that's like very, very weak pseudoscience. Yeah, and then the other one, and is I think, absolutely is, is Iron Man one. Yeah, he pretty much just yeah. a dude that's really good at making robots. <laughs> 
dude with a lot of money. And then he fights another dude who has a robot suit. Like, that's it. <laughs> Unless I'm misremembering. It's been a long time since I've seen it. No, but, I think that's it. Uh, those are, yeah. So, anyways. Okay, right. similarities. Well, we got to move on. Um, this is a big one. And I think most people know this, but uh, rules. They have to have rules. Yes. Both of them. Science fiction and yes. fantasy both have to have rules. The best fantasy, the best sci-fi, both have inherent... Co- uh, co- <laughs> coherent intrinsic rules mm-hmm. uh they, they can be completely nonsense to us they can be rules that aren't rules in our universe right but they have to make sense and be uh internally consistent within yes. that universe and that is where um a lot of writers will go wrong with world building yeah is not having consistent intrinsic rules yes yeah and that and it's sci-fi and uh fantasy alike they yeah Sci-fi, it's it's usually better if you want sci-fi, like hard sci-fi that nerds like me like. It's better if your intrinsic rules are the rules of our universe, or at least as close to the rules of our universe as you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Now you make, you know, you play with them a little bit here and there for wormholes and faster than light travel and right. stuff like that. You get to, you get some leeway with it, but they're basically our rules and laws. Um, uh, yeah, because when as soon as sci-fi or fantasy start breaking their own rules, is when people start going, "Well, this is." Yeah, people start to check out. You can't buy in point. anymore. Yeah, at that point. So, and then a final quote from a famous dead author. This is just something I've. Always, this is a famous quote that everybody's heard, but it's a it's a fun quote to think about when discussing and why it's so muddy sometimes in terms of the differentiation between sci-fi and fantasy. And that is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I'll agree with that. And that quote is, of course, from Arthur C. Clarke. All right. Anyways, that's that for science fiction versus fantasy. I don't know if anything is any clearer now, but... (laughs) If you're still with us... Yes. After listening to us both go off on that, um, we're going to have a poll. We'll have a poll on Facebook, and I think we can have a poll on Twitter, right? Yeah. Okay. There's going to be two options, right? Yeah. <laughs> or three, maybe. So we'll have a poll on Facebook, and we'll have a poll on Twitter, and we'll pin both of those to the top of our respective fan pages, asking you, the listeners, whether you think Matilda falls into sci-fi or fantasy. And I guess we'll give a it's a mix option. Yeah, I would say it's a mixed option. Makes sense because that's probably what I would vote. Yeah. Uh, most, yeah. Because yeah. So we'll have that pull up by the time this episode drops. Um, so make sure to go and find it mm-hmm. and let your voice be heard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our Matilda preview. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Matilda. Hi, Dad. Get in the car, Melinda. Matilda. Whatever. Who was extraordinary in every way. Pretty soon you'll be able to do any multiplication, whether it's 2 times 7. 14. Or 13 times 379. 4,927. Wow. Book facts. Book facts. I don't have very many. Cool. Um... So Matilda originally published in 1988 with illustrations by Quentin Blake, who is the rolled doll guy. When you think of a rolled doll book, those illustrations, that's that's him. That's the guy. Um, early reviews of it were mixed, probably because they were written by adults. Um, some said Sick that... burn on adults. <laughs> Uh, some said that the plot ending was contrived. Um, other people said it was for children only. 
Uh, but time has been pretty good to the story. And today it's considered a children's lit classic. Um, in 2012, it was ranked number 30 among all-time children's novels in a survey published by School Library Journal. Um, it was the first of four Roald Dahl books among the top 100, which, by the way, was more than any other writer. Wow. So, um, here's an interesting tidbit that I found out. In an early draft of Matilda, duh, she was actually um, a villain. He had her as a very wicked child who uses telekinesis to fix a racehorse, a pursuit that ultimately kills her. Wow. And his editor hated it so much that he went back to the drawing board and the resulting draft looked a lot more like the kind of precocious underdog that we know and love today. Huh. Yeah. Wild, right? That, that's a very different story. <laughs> uh, there's also a Roald Dahl short children's story. I believe it's The Magic Finger was what it was called. That's kind of um, like a precursor. To Matilda, it's like a little girl who has similar huh. kind of powers. Cool. Um, my last fun fact. In addition to the popular 1996 film, Matilda has been adapted into two different stage musicals, one of which was successful and yeah. one of which was not. When was the first one? I don't know. I would have to go back and look. Oh, okay. there, was a, there was another one before this current one which is the successful one, but yeah. the first one was not well-received. Oh, okay. Well, the current one uh, came out in 2012 or so, and I really want to see it. It won five Tonys. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it won five Tonys, but the reason I really want to see it is all of the music and lyrics are by Tim Minchin. Oh, I think I did know yeah. that. Yeah. Who I'm a big, huge, I love Tim Minchin. <laughs> he's amazing. He's like a, he does all kinds of stuff, but he's a um, probably most known as a uh, like a comedy song mm -hmm. very irreverent yeah stand-up comedian slash uh, play he does like big concerts where he plays really irreverent silly songs with like entire symphony orchestras and mm -hmm. it's like really over the top and artsy guy but he's really funny and a, a really talented musician and yeah he scored it and did the lyrics for it so so the movie i don't have a ton uh but i'll move through it pretty quick here directed by danny devito which i did not know did not yes. realize that he directed it. Uh, he doesn't hasn't directed a ton of stuff. It's his easily his most well received directed directorial hmm. uh, effort. Some other notable Danny DeVito films that he directed: uh, Death to Smoochie, uh, Hoffa, which has uh, Pacino and, uh, or maybe not Pacino. I don't know. It's got some of those guys in it, the gangster guys that always play gangsters. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, Throw Mama from the Train, which they're, those I are like his most well-known movies. I've never heard of any of those. Those are the most well-known movies, and they, none of them were very critically well-received. But hmm. Matilda was uh, pretty critically well-received at the time. Here's a cool, fun, random fact. The picture of Miss Honey's father in the movie, Magnus, mm -hmm. it's actually a portrait of Roald Dahl. Really? <laughs> yes. I don't think I've ever, like... I guess I don't really know what Roald Dahl looks like off the top well, of my head. Well, he looks like Magnus, I, uh, whatever I mean, his last name is. old white British guy, sure. Yep, yep. <laughs> Pam Ferris uh, plays Miss Trunchbull. Mm -hmm. uh, she would stay in character on set oh, God. to keep the kids scared. 
so that their <laughs> so that their fear would be more genuine on camera. That seems like it's riding a fine line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she wasn't like torturing them in between. So I just yeah. sure she was still just being like, you know, kind of just formidable. Staying, yeah. Grumpy and, uh, you know, scary. As a child, Miss Miss Honey in the movie has a doll mm-hmm. named uh, Lissy doll, I believe. Is, I don't know how it's pronounced. I don't remember. I think that's right. Lissy doll. L-I-C-C-Y doll. One of the producers of the film is Roald Dahl's widow, whose name mm-hmm. is Lissy Doll. Aww, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, L I C C Y D A H L. So that's interesting. I thought that was fun. Matilda, there's a M- Matilda has a homemade doll early in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mara Wilson made that herself. Mara Wilson Aww, plays Matilda. That's cute too. Uh, the doll's name is Wanda, and she was like. Six or she was young. Seven. She's maybe seven, young. eight. Yeah. Okay. This is like right around the same time as uh, little uh, Miss Doubtfire. Um, I almost said Little Miss Doubtfire, but <laughs> I was thinking like Little Miss Sunshine, Little yeah. Miss Yeah, uh, yeah Miss Doubtfire. It's not too far removed. She's like from... almost the same age. Yeah. Um, in that, she was apparently very self conscious about dancing for the the scene when she's like I guess cleaning. I don't know. She's using her powers doing something dancing. Mm-hmm. It's the song playing is Little Bitty Pretty One. Yeah. Uh, so Danny DeVito had the entire cast and crew dance along on set. Aww. All of your fun facts are cute. I know. And then just some fun facts. Miss Trunchbull got hurt a lot. Like in the movie. The actress. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> she, uh, when she gets hit with all the blackboard erasers, she mm-hmm. kept getting chalk in her eyes. She had to go to the hospital to get her <laughs> eyes flushed a bunch of times. <laughs> Several trips to the hospital, apparently, to get her eyes flushed out. Uh, and then when she does the, uh, the famous hammer throw scene. Mm-hmm. There's a harness involved with the little girl, mm-hmm. and apparently the rope from the harness ripped off the end of her finger. Ah. <laughs> or I don't know if it ripped it tore part of her finger off, and she had to get a bunch of stitches. Ah. So <laughs> she got, Miss Trunchbull had a hard go of it <laughs> making this movie, <laughs> which she deserves it she's it's evil. get for being the villain. <laughs> yes. All right. That's all we got. Well, tune in next week for our discussion of book versus movie matilda and don't forget to go vote on our matilda as sci-fi or fantasy poll and look out sometime this weekend probably this uh this coming weekend for our spoiler discussion of avengers infinity War. special episode special episode just about the avengers and their exploits i just want to talk about how much captain america looks like that's all i want to talk anyways till next time thanks for listening guys gals non-binary and everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies keep being